Hi, everybody. Good morning. You can do better than that. Hi, everybody. Hi, good morning. Uh, I, I love that uh, those songs we sang this morning, that, that worship set. Well done, Laura. Well done, team. Like, uh, so what I see, that's the first song, what I see. Um, I have the privilege of being able to, in the midst of uh, uh, just being where, I, where I'm standing, I, I, get, I get this like peek over my shoulder and I get to see, like I wish you could see what I see of old and young worshiping, old stories of living really long lives of perseverance and frustrations and disappointments, uh, but, but, but their hands are raised and saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna still choose to worship. Um, seeing uh, folks that have gone through the hells of addiction and uh, seeing their life turned around and now dedicated to Jesus and on fire for transforming the lives of others. I get to, I get to see the stories come to life because of just the, the position that I, that I have the privilege of holding. I wish you could see what I see. Um, and you see it too. If like, uh, like as scripture says, like when the, when the scales fall off our eyes, we start to see with kingdom eyes. We start to see what he is doing all around us and in us and through us. Uh, the second song of Raise a Hallelujah, that song was written while uh, uh, the songwriter's close family member was dying and going through cancer. And he's writing the song, I'm going to raise a hallelujah even in the midst of this. Like, and I see like people raising their hands and raising a hallelujah that are going through the storm right now. And then a firm foundation. This says, no matter what, I'm going to make it through this storm because you are my foundation. Friends, do you know that you have a foundation that will hold you up no matter what you're going through? His name is Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, welcome. You're in the right place. We're going to talk about Jesus today. I want you to, I want you to walk with so much confidence no matter what you're going through, knowing you're going to make it through because of him. I, if you don't have that type of confidence with whatever you're going through right now, I, I, I'm telling you that you can find that, but you can only find that in Jesus. You can't find that in self-help. You can't find that anywhere else. It's going to be only found in Jesus. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Uh, that's Jesus. I'm John. All right. I'm John. Uh, I have the privilege uh, to be a pastor here and I have the privilege of being the leader of this incredible ministry, this ecclesia. Were you here last week? Ecclesia? No, you weren't here last week. No, I'm kidding. You were like ecclesia, the assembly of believers, the called out assembly. I have the privilege to get to lead this assembly of believers. If this is your first time hanging out with us, uh, man, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Uh, the worship team was fire. Uh, the message is mediocre. But some folks that uh, I'm going to interview, they're fire. So in between all that, it's going to be fire. So uh, if this is your first time, um, and just welcome. I'd love to say hi to you. Uh, if we haven't met yet, please uh, come say hey. Um, but more than saying hey and introducing ourselves, I want you to know that uh, if this is your first time coming to church or coming to church in a really long time, I want you to hear this out of the gate. Jesus is for you. He is not against you. Amen? He is for you. He is not against you. Uh, he understands you. How do I know that? Because I read the Bible. That's how. That he was fully God and fully human, and he endured all the different emotions and feelings and, and experiences that we walk through. He understands us. He gets us. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And friend, there is nothing you can do that can separate you from God's love. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Let me say that in Latin. Say nothing. <laughs> There's nothing. No matter what translation you use, no matter what original Aramaic, Greek, Latin version you want to look at, the word nothing is nothing. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Man, that's good news, right? I don't know about you because I did a thing or two in my life that maybe wasn't so, maybe was a little shady. Anybody else do some things that were a little shady? Yeah, okay. Thank you for being honest. Amen. Uh, like, I'm so, I'm really grateful that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. That's incredible news. I want you to know out of the gate that Jesus is, is like, he loves you, he's for you, he gets you, and he loves you so much that he would die for you. That type of love, that agape love. 
unconditional, I will give everything for you, love. That's Jesus. That's who I want to invite you into to have a relationship with, not a contract through religion, but a covenant relationship that says, you are my Lord, my leader, and in you I will have a firm foundation no matter what I go through. In you I will find a life that is abundant, that is full in this life and in the next that's Jesus. We're going to spend the whole year talking about him. So um, what I want to do is talk about if we are a, a Jesus people that want to do the things that Jesus does and be a Jesus movement, well, we've got to make sure we understand what Jesus' call to action is, first and foremost, right? His top line priority for anybody that chooses to follow him is Mark, verse 12, chapter 30, he says, hey, uh, this is the most important thing. He says, uh, you must love the Lord your God with all of your... And the second? And then say this one real loud. No... No other commandment is greater than these. I, I, I have some folks that always like to say, bottom line up front, John. Bluff, bottom line up front, great. No other commandment is greater than these. If we can get that right, friends, do you know how incredible this life would be for ourselves and everyone else around us? If we could get that first thing right and stop worrying about third thing, fourth thing, fifth thing, sixth thing, the first thing, keep the first thing first. Love God with everything I got. Love my neighbor with everything I got and nothing else is greater than these. So as a Jesus people, like we want our hearts to be like that because, you know, to love God and love my neighbor with everything I got, man, that's going to be hard, right? And so that, that would require me to have a, a transformation of the heart, right? And so with a transformation of the heart, I, I'm basically asking Jesus, can you make my heart like your heart? Can you, uh, can you make my heart break for what breaks your heart? And let's just get it out of the way right now. This week, there's been a lot of broken hearts. Go, it's okay. Just, just go ahead. Let's just, uh, you've been grieving. It's okay. That's why I'm wearing black again. Um, listen, it's okay. We're going to get through this. I just really thought the, the Bengals were going to win, right? Like, I really thought they are going to win. Like, I, I really, so there's some heartbreak this week. I really thought, man, like, that two minutes and 30 seconds left, uh, two timeouts. You have the ball, and all you need is a field goal, right? I'm like, it's in the bag. And then heartbreak. And a collective sigh and groan across the tri-state area. Everybody heard it, and it was like, oh, heartbreak. It's okay, we're, we're going to walk through this together. Uh, and so I know some of you may uh, be like thinking like, well, I'm not even going to watch the Super Bowl this year. Anybody? Will, will you? Will, yes. Thank you, Candy. I see you. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. Some of you are like, I ain't watching that Super Bowl. NFL was, was rigged. You know, like all that stuff, right? I heard you. I see you on, on Facebook. Um, <laughs> talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus on Facebook. Not that other stuff, okay? Like, listen, I want to encourage you. Uh, don't check out uh, from the Super Bowl for one reason, and that's the commercials, okay? Uh, I love the commercials. I like watching it. it uh, the cool conversations come out of uh, the commercials. You know, the Doritos, they always, they come prepared, right? Doritos, they always have a good commercial, right? And so, like, check out the commercials, and here's why I'm, I'm telling you, don't check out of the Super Bowl. Uh, there's somebody who's going to show up at the Super Bowl, and I don't want you to miss his message, okay? Check out this video. When something big is happening, a movement, a moment, a mission that could change the world. You want to be ready. You want to learn everything you can. And right now, something big is happening. He Gets Us is a multi-year national campaign to raise the respect and relevance of Jesus in our culture. It's starting conversations. It's grabbing attention and changing minds. It's all over Twitter, in Times Square, on billboards and in stadiums. And on February 12th, you'll see it on the biggest stage in America. You'll see Jesus in the Super Bowl. The conversation is starting. Are you ready for it?
So, uh, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, praise God. Jesus is going to be like, so uh, this is really cool. I, I, uh, I'm very, Kelly and I are very blessed uh, to have a network of coaches and mentors uh, that are Christian leaders all over uh, the country. And so uh, one of them was talking to us at the beginning of the year and says, John, I got, some, I got an inside scoop. Um, and he had just come back from a conference uh, of this gathering of some of the most influential Christian leaders in, in all over the country. And um, there's a group of leaders and Christian organizations that got together and they invested $100 million um, into a strategic plan uh, to, to share the name of Jesus all throughout the U.S. over this year. That's a lot of coin, right? That's a lot of money to say, hey, we're going to get the name of Jesus out there. To every nook and cranny, we're going to make sure his name is out there. And I don't, like, I don't know if you know this. This is a part of a, a campaign called He Gets Us. Have you seen the commercials? On TV? Like, like, they're just beautiful. Uh, and so um, during, like, the Super Bowl, which I don't know if you know this or not, whether you're into sports ball, it doesn't matter if you like sports ball. The Super Bowl is the most watched event every year in the world. Over 100 million people are watching this event, all right? And so in the middle of the Super Bowl, you're going to hear the message of Jesus. There's actually going to be two commercials. Think about that. Y'all, y'all see the Google stuff about how much it costs to do a commercial in the middle of the Super Bowl, right? And so somewhere probably sandwiched between Budweiser and, you know, Doritos is going to be Jesus. Um, and I think that's exactly where Jesus would be, right? Hanging out at Matthew's house, eating Doritos, and, you know, I won't get into that. So, like, so, uh, and here's, here's why it feels like, cool, like I got an inside scoop. I can tell you exactly when those commercials are going to be. So, uh, don't check out. Uh, at the Super Bowl, the first commercial was going to be between the first, the first uh, commercial break between the first and second quarter, and the second commercial is going to be during the first break uh, of the fourth quarter. All right, so uh, watch the Super Bowl. Look for these messages about Jesus. Um, it turned the volume, like turn the volume of the of the crowd down. Whoever you're watching with, you know, tell them to stop eating, stop talking, stop drinking, clinking. Like watch the thing, and then have a conversation. That's your first homework assignment. Have a conversation because you're going to talk about the Doritos commercial. Talk about this commercial and see what your friends think about that commercial. That's it. It's real lightweight. If those of you who like struggle with like, I don't know how to talk about Jesus. Like, cool. You don't have to. What do you think of that commercial? And go there. All right, cool. So um, Super Bowl, don't check out. Lean in. Have the conversation about Jesus. Today we're going to continue a conversation about Jesus. Um, we're actually going to revisit a conversation about Jesus um, that we had a few weeks ago. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, we had this like crazy snowstorm. You remember that? And there, like 80% of y'all decided not to show up for church. Um, and it's cool. It's all good. Uh, that's a, a safety is is good and all that stuff. But literally, like 80% of our congregation did not show up that day. And here we were up here giving like this message, and it was it was uh, they they said it was good. I don't know if it wasn't that, but. Um, so our teaching team said, hey, that's kind of an important conversation. Uh, we should revisit that because 80% of our converse, uh, congregation did not, you know, they weren't here. So, so we're going to have a conversation. We're going to revisit it. Um, and it's a conversation uh, about something that is close to the heart of this ministry and has been uh, since uh, it's uh, starting over 106 years ago. It's something that has been at the heart of this ministry and is at the heart of Jesus's ministry. And it is the heart to elevate and engage and empower the next generation. And that's close to Jesus's heart. So I want you to hear it from him. These are his words, Matthew 18, verse one. It says about that time, the disciples, uh, they came up to Jesus and they asked him a question. So Jesus is like just group of everyday ordinary men. Uh, they come up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? Who's the greatest, LeBron or MJ? That's a really easy question, all right? Um, and if you say LeBron, I'm coming for you. All right, so who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus Stone cold, he's like, cool. Uh, he just invites up a little child and puts the child among them. And he says, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who becomes as humble 
as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You must become like little children or you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. These are strong words from, from King Jesus. Friends, in Jesus' kingdom, the expectation for all of us, if you choose to follow Jesus, is pretty simple. It's stop acting like adults. <laughs> stop acting like adults. Right? <laughs> Act like kids. Have, have wonder in your eyes. Have curiosity. Don't lose hope. So be filled with something like an energy that says, I'm going to persist no matter what. Right? I'm going to persist, even though it's bedtime. I'm going to persist, right? That childlike energy, that childlike faith, that childlike dependence. We've got to stop acting like we're in charge and we got it all together and, like, and we know it all and we don't need any help. Adults. Jesus is inviting us to drop that act and start acting like children. Humble yourselves, Jesus is saying. Become utterly dependent upon God. Like a child is to a parent, to walk by faith, childlike faith. Well, I need to see all of it before I say yes, Jesus, right? I need to make a list of pros and cons, and then I'll walk through it like childlike faith, utter dependence upon the Father. This past week, I was talking to a friend about, you know, this conversation and, and this specifically, these verses, and he was telling me, uh, we were talking about how, like, Jesus' invitation to become childlike is actually an invitation that points us back to the Garden of Eden. It's a point back to look back at Adam and Eve who were so united and so dependent and so lockstep with the Father. Jesus' instruction to be childlike is an invitation back to restoration with the Father. Say, so get back to this. Just walk in the cool of the morning with me. Walk with me. Talk with me. Be utterly dependent upon me. At verse 5, Jesus continues. He says, and anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is actually welcoming me. Think about that statement, right? That anybody who welcomes a child is actually welcoming Jesus. Yeah. Friends, how many times do we miss an opportunity to engage with Jesus because we choose not to engage in the next generation? Like, I want you to think about that. This is, this is just, let's just keep it real. Um, it, it, sometimes we sit here and be like, man, I'm sick and tired of hearing about, like, talking about the next generation. I won't ask you to raise your hand if that's you. <laughs> Put that in perspective. I'm sick and tired of talking about engaging with Jesus. Anybody who welcomes a little one on my behalf is actually welcoming me. Then Jesus shares then one of his most inflammatory statements uh, recorded in scripture, verse six. He says, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to stumble, to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and drown in the depths of the sea. Gentle shepherd Jesus just like popped off, right? <laughs> like, well, that was a sharp left turn, Jesus, Right? Like, it, like if you mess with a child, Jesus is saying it better for you to have a 210 boulder tied around your neck and for your lungs to fill with water, right? As you slowly feel like you're burning from the inside out until you fade to black. Jesus, that's wild. So if harming a, a child can evoke Jesus's greatest rage, it would stand to reason that the opposite to elevate and empower a child would bring about his greatest joy. We see this again in Luke 18. And Jesus, he's elevating this next generation. It says, one day some parents brought their little children to Jesus uh, so that they could uh, be blessed. And, uh, but when the disciples, they saw this, you know, they scolded the parents uh, for bothering Jesus, right? Because in, in, in Jesus' day, kids had no value, 
right? In Jesus' day, not in our day. In Jesus' day, kids had no value. Uh, they had no rights. They had no status. They had no worth, you know? Uh, and, and so th- the parents in this passage, they, they just, you know, they end up getting rebuked, scolded, right, for, for bothering Jesus, Because in the disciples' eyes, they're just, you know, they're knuckleheads and it's okay. But in their eyes, you know, they're like, man, don't don't waste Jesus' time with kids. Jesus doesn't have time for kids. Man, we got grown folk business going on here, right? Kids aren't going to help this ministry advance. Kids aren't going to fight the Roman Empire. Kids aren't going to fund and financially support this ministry. Kings don't hang out with kids. It's interesting in our text that those who scolded the parents for wanting their kids to have access to Jesus ended up being the ones who were scolded by Jesus. Then Jesus called for the children and he said to his disciples, knuckleheads, (laughs) let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Everybody say, don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. And I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Friends, I'm crazy enough to believe Jesus, okay? Are you? Like, like, let's just be Jesus crazy, okay? Uh, Like, because I I get called crazy a lot by my kids, and that's fine. I'm like, I'd rather be crazy. I'm going to be crazy with Jesus. Like, like, like anyone who is going after the next generation is going after Jesus. Like, that anyone who cares for the least of these is caring for Jesus. And that anyone that doesn't isn't going to inherit the kingdom of God. I'm crazy enough to believe that. Friends, I don't know if focusing on the next generation is a sound business model, but it is a sound Jesus model. Thank you, DJ. (laughs) We have an incredible opportunity every single day to interact with Jesus by choosing to interact with the next generation. It it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be like a big ordeal that you got to prep for. It's, It's saying, Jesus, open up my eyes so that I may see with your eyes when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm at Target, when, when I'm at Walmart, when I'm at wherever you're at, can, can you just give me your eyes to see the next generation that's in my midst? And when I'm checking out in line, um, can I just turn around to that kid who's behind me who kept like hitting my heels um, with the cart that I wanted to turn around and say some things to, right? Some Jesus things, like, right? Like instead, uh, turn around and be like, hi, hey man, and get down on their level so you're not intimidating. That's the first thing you got to learn to do. Take, don't take on a position and posture of authority. Take on a position and posture of humility. Get on their level and go, how you doing? What's your name? Talk to the parent too. Hi, my name's John. I just want to say, hey, your little one has such, you know, such incredible eyes. Like they're just filled with wonder. What's your favorite candy? Which one up here is one of your favorite candies? Starburst? Oh man, that's cool. Cool. I want to get this for you. It's as simple as that, folks. Something as simple as that, an encouraging word, an empowering act, can radically transform the life of a child. Just one moment. Graham Greene, one of the leading authors of the 20th century, he said this. He said, there's always one moment in childhood when the door opens and lets the future in. Growing up in our family, we moved around a lot. And uh, we ended up uh, at this house on 16th Street. It was painted puke green. Um, I don't know why. It must have been on sale at Sears. I don't know. It was a true value. Like, it was puke green or booger green. Like, I, I kid you not. Mom, drop it in the chat. You probably have a picture. Like, seriously, Mom, t- and tell them I'm not lying. It was so gross. All right, so 16th Street, and we, we bought this house, and, and my dad, he laid out some concrete, and so he had some fresh cement down, and he invited us to, like, put our handprints down on the cement. Y'all ever do this? Put your handprints down into the wet cement, you know, and put a little imprint, right? Yeah. So uh, decades later, like, I'm back in Canton, Ohio, and I'm visiting, and I was like, you know, I'm going to swing by 16th Street and see if, like, the handprints are still there, and sure enough, I saw the handprints. It was cool. It's like revisiting my childhood, right? We all know um, how impressionable the heart of a student is, the heart of a child is. 
So, so I want you to just, just for this conversation, to imagine that the heart of a student is wet cement. What imprint are we pressing down on their heart? Is it an imprint of annoyance, irritation, don't bother me, I'm busy, or is it one of elevation and empowerment, invitation? Whatever we press down into the cement of their hearts will eventually solidify and like it or not, that imprint will impact their hearts for decades, if not a lifetime. So like imagine if we were intentional about seizing the moments with whenever like a student enters into our sphere. Friends, the, the next generation is so desperate to be sought after so desperate to be engaged. They're not addicted to their screens because they don't care about the adults in their life. They're addicted to their screens because the screens engage them more than the adults engage them. We have to choose to engage, to let the children come to us, to let nothing stop them. Wes Stafford, the author of Too Small to Ignore, an incredible kingdom leader that Kelly and I got to sit under and, and get to, to meet with, talk with, and be influenced by. He, he's the former president and CEO of Compassion International. Some of you may sponsor kids through Compassion. This is the president. He said, in the heart of a child, one moment can last forever. How a student feels, and all of us were students at one point. How a student thinks and feels about themselves is greatly influenced by the affirmation and acceptance or the criticism and rejection that they have received from an adult that they have encountered. Like if we think about it, I bet every single one of us could like think about someone who pressed down onto our heart, into the wet cement of our heart, and had a positive and or negative impact in our life. We can probably think about that person right now. Every single one of us. Uh, for me, uh, it's Mrs. Fortner. <laughs> Mrs. Fortner, um, who this is just such a beautiful story, y'all, because, yeah, I'll get to it. Like, um, hey, Mrs. Fortner. She now watches because of a few weeks ago, my mom sent her this message and now then she engages. And then Mrs. Fortner like has now started like this, like a Bible and prayer study that's called uh, the Great Grandma's Club. And it's just uh, great grandmas that come together to pray for schools and students. Like, so, 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 but let me act like this never happened. <laughs> Mrs. Fortner, my sixth grade teacher, uh, she was my choir teacher. She understood the power of just one moment. Um, in sixth grade, here's, here's real truth. And I promise one day I'll find this picture so you can see it. I have this picture of me like jumping off a trampoline and like doing the Jordan like, you know, Jordan like slam dunk thing, trying to dunk the ball. Because in sixth grade, I knew I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. Legit. At 5'10", I was, I was legit. Okay. I had all the hops. Uh, my, uh, my aptitude and my uh, attitude had not, and my dreams had not yet collided. Um, Mrs. Fortner, uh, she helped me out kind of get some things straight. Uh, I, I don't know if it's still like this or not, but in sixth grade back in the day, you had to take either choir or band. Not sure if it's still like that. And so, uh, so I didn't know which one to choose, and so I did a really studious thing, and I was like, which one has more hot girls? Uh, okay, cool. Uh, choir. All right. So just keeping it real. And so I, I, I chose choir and I met Mrs. Fortner and she did not help me get any dates, um, but she, she did set a path for me that changed my life because she believed in me. She saw something in me that I couldn't yet see for myself. I remember her pulling me aside one day, and it's probably because I was doing something ornery. Um, and she, in one moment, she said, John, you have something inside you that the world needs to hear. 
And I probably went on with my life and opened my, you know, tinfoil lunch that, you know, I got for being on uh, reduced lunch. Um, and was like, okay, but it stuck. It stuck in there. She was the first teacher to empower me to see my world for its potential and not just my current reality. In just one moment in my sixth grade year, she chartered a new path for me that would lead me to, to like have this like successful career as an actor in New York City and travel all across the country and performing that would ultimately lead to me thinking maybe I could use those gifts you know, on this platform to, for his glory and for his good, all because of one adult said, I see you and there's something in you that the world needs to hear. Because of one moment. Who was it for you? Who made the imprint? What did they press down? One, another one of your homework assignments is to reach out to whoever that is and let them know the impact that they had on your life. I, I reached out to Mrs. Fortner uh, 33 years later. <laughs> Um, after she was my teacher, I found her on Facebook and I shared with her the impact that she had in my life. And, uh, this was her response. She said, I'm at a loss for words. Your message touched me more than you can possibly know. As you get older, which all of us do, you will too, Jonathan. You start to wonder if you fulfilled God's purpose in your life. I would pray on the way to school every morning, please, Lord. Let me plant something eternal in the hearts of my students. So your message to me is a gift, a gentle nudge from God that my daily prayer had been answered for at least a few students. Thank you, Jonathan. You still have more in you that the world needs to hear. Amen. Friends, you may not believe this, but each of you has the potential to be a Mr. or Mrs. Fortner for some student. Every single one of you. You have the ability to help a student forge a new path. See, I'm convinced that if God places a student in front of us for just a moment, where it's us and that student, that that is a divine appointment. What will we do with that divine appointment with that student. Because what we say in that moment matters, right? Scripture says that our tongue holds the power of life and death. What we say in that moment matters. What we say when we engage, hey, Jesus. It's good to see you, Jesus. Thank, thank you, Jesus. I mean, next time, like, the kids are ornery and, like, just driving you nuts, or, or like, the, the person's kids who is driving you nuts, like, why can't you just quiet your kids, right? Can you just flip that script and go, like, that's Jesus? And would you talk to him like that? Because I'm pretty sure if you thought it was Jesus, you'd be clamoring to get to him. You would do anything to get to Jesus if you... If, if we genuinely had a heart transformation that said, that's Jesus. I want to care for Jesus. I want to elevate Jesus. I'll spend $100 million to elevate Jesus. That's Jesus. So uh, in disciple making, we have a question that we ask. It's real simple, and it's the heart of, of making disciples who make disciples. It's all about listening and obeying and not just listening, not just like being uh, hearers of God's word, but being doers. It's what is Jesus saying to you and what are you going to do about it? We already know what Jesus said. I, I shared with you his words. This isn't a question of whether or not the next generation matters. This isn't a question of whether or not they matter to him. What is Jesus saying to you? What are you going to do about it? You can do something today. You're going to see a student when you leave today. 
promise you. How will you engage? What will you choose to do? Some of you may have like a crazy idea in your mind, like, man, what if we did like X, Y, Z, whatever it was, like in our community? Like I have this crazy idea like of how we could impact the next generation. If that's you and you're like a blue sky big thinker, man, I, I, that's awesome. Can you reach out to Reed Sap, connect with him and start sharing your ideas and let's see if we can get some traction. We want to pour some, pour some like nitroglycerin on that idea. <laughs> Or if you like a man, I want to I want to get involved in the local schools. I want to I want to I want to care for students or I want to care for the for the teachers that are caring for students. Like if that's you, will you will you reach out to Jerrica Humphreys? What is one thing that you can do take away today to go? You know what? If Jesus says that, maybe I should elevate my game when it comes to the next generation. Parents in the room, I don't need to say anything because if, if, if you're a parent, th- this message and these words from Jesus already convict. They do enough. <laughs> the number of times that our kids are asking and begging for our attention and we're like, just a minute. Uh, uh, one second, I'm busy. We, we don't need to, like. <laughs> but every single one of us, parent or not, can do something about this to choose to invest in the next generation. Right now, I want to invite up some friends uh, who they have made a choice to invest in the next generation. Uh, These are game changers and world changers for the next generation. Would you please welcome up here three friends, Kayla, Hannah, and Matt. Give them a round of applause. Come on up. I'll make sure your microphones are on. This is Kayla, and then there's Matt, and then there's Hannah. Uh, these, these are friends. Uh, so a fun story about uh, these three. I'll, I'll, I'll see. Let's see. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're Nope. Uh, Matt, dang it. Come on, y'all. You don't need to turn it off. Like, you're good. You're good. You're good. All right. So, all right, cool. Uh, so, like, um, I reached out to our Harbortown leaders and our, uh, our, our youth, and I said, hey, uh, who are some volunteers that, man, they're just killing it right now, and, um, and I'd love to just hear from them about why they choose to invest in the next generation, right? Um, and it's, it's great that we have such incredible staff that makes the choice to invest into the next generation, but let's be clear, they get paid to do it, so <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I love that their hearts are in the right place, but they get paid. Y'all don't get paid, right? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, right? And I didn't say I was going to pay you for doing this, right? We're going to pay you with smiles, okay? Um, And so, like, these are some volunteers, just regular people that, like, they choose to give away their most precious resource, right? There's only one resource from God that we can't make more of as humans. Time. It is the most precious resource. And they choose to use the most precious resource to invest it into the next generation. And so I, I, I asked them three, uh, just one question uh, to all three of them. And so uh, Kayla wants you, uh, you're going to go first. Uh, you, you chose poorly uh, by going sitting here to go first. Um, Kayla, uh, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? And then um, the question is this. What is it in Jesus's story or your own personal story that made you choose to impact and invest into the next generation? Hi, I'm Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Um, I'm 23, so I'm part of the next gen as well as investing in the next gen. Uh, I just recently graduated from Ohio State. Oh, wait. <laughs> Got a Buckeye. So when we first talked, and and she was like, I just graduated from Ohio State, and I got a degree in psychology, I was like, I can't hang out with you, because you were like psychoanalyzed at my every move, (laughs) right? And I can't have that kind of stress in my life. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. They're just observations. Observations. They won't be used against you. (laughs) Um. But 
Growing up, uh, I never really had um, a relationship with Jesus. Um, it's just my parents weren't religious and it's not something that they um, put emphasis on. So I never had much of a relationship with Jesus or God. Um, and growing up, I just kind of felt like there was something missing. Uh, and so once I did find God and found Jesus, that, that void had kind of been filled and so now that I have filled that void, I want to keep that void from happening from the next generation. I want to, you know, kind of protect them from having that emptiness in their life. Um, and then, so that's part of it, but then there's also kind of the other reason of, as a psychology graduate, um, I kind of know how important those like developmental stages are and they happen really early and it's such a like prime time they're learning all of these things that they're going to use for the rest of their life they're you they're learning like mom and dad love me like i love them they take care of me i need to go on the toilet to use the bathroom what <laughs> i'm sorry So that's just such an easy stage to just like throw in like, oh yeah, like God loves me, Jesus loves me no matter what. And they say that I should love other people no matter what. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, sounds good. Right, like the faith of a child. Yeah. They're just like, oh, okay, that's what I should do. Yeah. That's good, Kayla, that's good. All right, Matt, you're up. Microphones are bad when it comes to me. <laughs> yeah, because we don't know what's going to come out of your mouth. That's true. That is true. Shoot from the hip. My name's Matthew. Um, I'm 46. Uh, I've been, been going here probably 10 plus years, I think, involved with the youth group about the same, same time, middle school, high school. Um, I think with me, and we've, we talked about this earlier, but the, I've always been... Call it a man child. My, my, my nieces and nephew. My nieces and nephew call me Uncle Buddy. For, buddy, for buddy, buddy the, the elf. elf. Yeah. What's your favorite color? Yeah. Yeah. So that that childlike spirit, I guess I, I've I refuse to get rid of. Um, and I was invited one year, many years ago, to say, "Hey, we're, we're looking for people to help out with the youth group." And I'm like, "Okay, let's do it." You know, and it was, it was that struggle of, okay, I got to do this. I, I committed, I got to do this. Um, but but along, that, along that line, something changed where the more I was serving, it was, I get to do this. I don't got to do this. And also, I think being a little bit older now, uh, I think we're about the same age. I, I've, <laughs> I've seen, I can look back now in my life and I see the impact that adults had on me, um, on the youth that I've been involved with that might have been, I mean, this is going back before even coming to church here, but just seeing the impact that, that adults can have on kids. And I don't know if you know this or not, but um, your own kids tend to listen to other adults. <laughs> I don't know if that's still so the true. case. But yeah, so seeing, seeing the impact that a youth leader had on my own children it's, it's amazing. So I, I just, I look back and I, I guess there was always a calling if I wanted to make a difference in someone else's life. I wanted to, I wanted to leave, leave something more. It wasn't in, I thought about this a lot. And honestly, I think I needed this because it was kind of getting, I don't want to say a little stale, but kind of monotonous, but it kind of made me think about why why I really, why, why am I here? Why, why am I doing this? But I, th I think we're all here to help others. We're all here to be servants. We're all here to, again, especially for the youth. It's, it's amazing, especially now, how much young people need that positive role model, that positive word, that positive something, because the hope, the lack of hope that they're seeing or the lack of substance that they're seeing 
out there, it, 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 leads, it leads to dead end roads. And, and I keep coming back to that lone wolf, especially for the dudes, especially for that guy. I really wanted to be that, that role model that, that young, young men could look up to and be like, you know what, you can still love Jesus and still be kind of cool. Still, well, still wear some chucks. Still wear, still be cool. You know what I mean. So he like gestured towards me. Uh, come on, you're cool. You're a cool guy. I'm telling you, no, my I'm kids I'm, do I'm not think too. I'm cool. I'm taking up too much right. time. Mm-hmm. Um, good man. They're used to that. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the time away you from keep you. Talking. Okay. You keep talking. Keep talking. But it was. It's it's that lone wolf mentality that I kept hearing about. I'm like, lone wolves die. Lone for dudes, lone wolves die. You need a pack. You need a community. You need people around you to lift you up and support you. And again, from a church and from a youth standpoint, that's that's my that's what I I'm putting my flag in there. I'm gonna be that support. I'm gonna be there. When 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 someone needs me, if somebody needs help with something, I want them to call me. I want them to say, Hey, Matt's gonna be there for me. Amen. What's up, Hannah? Hey. Makes it my turn, huh? Yeah. Hi, guys. <laughs> my name's Hannah. I'm not telling how old I am. Um, <laughs> 22. Sorry. Um, so my story's a little different. Um, I have been in the church my whole life. I've served in the church my whole life. I'm a Bible college kid. It's what you do. It's the right thing to do. Um, it is. <laughs> So you don't know. <laughs> I don't. Like, it's true, you we're guys. We're saying it's this true. like during rehearsals. Like this half of the conversation is like we didn't grow up with Jesus, and I don't know about Jesus. Like, and this other half is like we grew up with Jesus our whole lives, and it's, it's like true. It's true. I, I've so loved great Jesus. representation. Yeah, I've loved Jesus my whole life, and and you serve. That's what you do. Um, and we have been at Whitewater. It's just less than two years as a family, and I got really comfortable in that chair over there during second service really cozy. And um, one Sunday, a couple months ago, John said from the stage, hey, we're really shorthanded in Harbortown, like closing classrooms because we don't have teachers to or people to be there. And I was like, oh, dang it. Man, <laughs> I was really comfortable. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, well, I mean, during first service, I'm sitting at home, literally drinking coffee, watching the news anyway because we always came to second. So, I mean, I guess I could do that. Okay, so here we go. I met Megan and Sarah and the crew and quickly um, getting to know them and to enjoy their company and to, to feel their heart and, and hear their, um, their love for the kids and making disciples. And, um, and then a couple of weeks ago on the cold Sunday, I was here. She, she, I was, she here. was the one person I that was, was here. here. I was here. Um, there was a few more. Um, John talked about letting the children come to Jesus. And again, as a church kid, I've heard that like a hundred bajillion times, right? Like I know that Jesus wanted the children to come to him, but it never struck me so much as the fact that it was so monumental because those children didn't matter because of the culture that they lived in, that those children didn't matter. And as an average aged adult, what I find... (laughs) is that so many of us don't feel like we matter. And that translates to our confidence, that translates to our self-worth, that translates to who we are and the decisions that we make. And so if we can translate that to our children and allow our children to matter, to be that imprint of the fact that you matter um, at such a young age, um, that message hit me again today. so, so personally, and I just went home and like dwelled on this for so long and just the fact that they matter and that they matter because of who Jesus is. Um, I just feel like I can give them no better gift. Um, so it's an honor to serve in Harbor town. Um, and I, I really, I do cherish that time, which I'm not there right now. It's fine. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah. So here's, a, here's, here's an interesting thought. Um, in this area called the Tri-State Region, there is roughly 575,000 students. All right, real numbers. 575,000 students. 
So according to Barna Research Group, if you're a statistics geek, look up Barna, they're dynamic. Um, according to Barna, in this region, 60% of that 575,000 uh, are not connected to any church of any kind. I mean, any, like mosque, synagogue, like any, any kind, 60%. Data also shows that 83% of people give their life to Jesus, make a decision for Jesus between the ages of four and 14. It's called the 414 window. Okay? All right, so let's do the correlated study. They are the most at-risk generation. They are the most at-risk people group. If we want to be missionaries for people, they are the most at-risk people group. So the correlation, what if, as a group of Jesus people, we intentionally went after the most at-risk generation for Jesus while they were most likely to accept Jesus? Imagine the generational impact we would have far beyond anything we will ever know until we're reunited with them one day in heaven. What if? So that's my prayer for us right now. Jesus, uh, turn our what if into a what now. Give us a resolve to do something bold about this truth, to do something bold about going after the next generation with everything we got to see the next generation not as an a nuisance or an annoyance or an interruption, but a divine appointment from you. Help us to turn down the noise of busyness and turn down the noise of distraction and turn up the volume of going after the youth with everything we got. To love that neighbor with everything we got. Jesus, we need you. Speak boldly to our hearts. We confess right now that we got some things wrong and we got some things out of whack. We turn from that and we turn back to you to love you and love the next gen with everything we got. Jesus, we give you that. That is our prayer. That is our vow. We love you and boy, do we need you. And it's in your name that all God's people said, amen.